When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are, of course, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I am joined by reoccurring guest. You're the first one, Alex Sturm of Mets Daily. Alec, how are you? How's your week been? I'm doing great. Busy week for me with a lot of different things, but I'm very excited to be making my second foray through the Clear Out Podcast. Foray. Wow. Foray. I was not expecting that. We're 30 seconds in, and I'm like, I have to like, I think I need to look that word up before I get out, you know, once I get off this show, that's, that's pretty early. Usually I don't hear that until like 20 minutes in. So look at you coming in with the fire. Um, today we are, we're, we're discussing basically our main takeaways to the books. Um, what do we call that blowout demoralizing I mean, loss? Like it was basketball just, was definitely played. That's for basketball sure. was played. The Nets lost 127 to 104 on opening night against the Milwaukee Bucks. And honestly, like a 20 point game is, is underselling how much that game did not feel close. I mean, it was just like from the first two minutes in, I think the Bucks took an early lead at the like 10 Oh four mark and they just never looked back. So it, it was really, it, it was not even close at all. And I, I think there's a lot of takeaways to be had. So I'll, I'll throw it up to you for the alley-oop. Um, what, did, what was your first takeaway from this? Um, my first takeaway, I think, was an attempt to try to wrap my head around the score. How can these two teams who were so perfectly matched last year and had a seven-game series that went literally down to the final second be, like, so lopsided on the first day of the season? And for me, the answer was pretty clear. The Nets were a team experimenting with a very new team against the Bucks, a team that has very quickly, like, learned who they are and forged a very strong identity and is ready and are ready to just rampage through the season. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, I thought Giannis was like, I'm going to go ahead and say like 10% better than last year. And from the beginning of that net series, probably like 15% better. Like the passes he was making. I mean, there was a play where he drove, I think along, like kind of like right along the, the right free throw line extended and drove down and then drew like three defenders and made this like ridiculous hook pass to the corner. And it was just like, that's, that's the leap that he's taken. He really started taking it in the middle of that series against the nets. And he's continued that uh, we, I don't even think we got like a incredible offensive game from him. He was just like that impressive overall. So that was my big takeaway. I also, I think they have a decent amount of shooting around their guys and that keeps you honest. Like as much as people were saying, oh, well, who's going to guard KD without PJ? It's like, I think I'd almost rather not have PJ on offense than have PJ on defense because KD is going to get his no matter what. So you at least have like guys that can space the floor instead of just stand there and miss corner threes over and over. So I, I like what they did with their team. They look pretty good so far. I think the Bucs have done a great job accumulating role player talent over the past few years that really doesn't look flashy when you get the Woj notification. And then four months into the season, hold on, Pat Conton is starting. Grace Crazy. Allen is like making like grizzled um, defensive plays and hitting two threes. And that's all you need from these guys. It's perfect. It's like the perfect ecosystem for, for Giannis, really. It's like this, this great thing. And Middleton too, like Middleton was just kind of what you expect from him, where he's just going to show up and hit tough shots and like, get you out of those tough moments where the offense stalls out. I mean, yeah, it, it's perfect for him too. Um, even, even with Middleton, kind of, one more thing. And this has, oh, yeah. this has been said before. The confidence with both Middleton and Giannis is so there. After the finals, Giannis sees a lane. He sees a seven-footer and then another seven-footer ready to come and doesn't care at all. 
He goes down, he misses, he grabs his offensive rebound. He knows he's going to put it back in. And Middleton just doesn't care at all anymore. He, the second he gets a sliver of space, he's shooting it and it's going in at a ridiculous clip. Yeah. And if you're like Javon Carter and you're guarding him on a switch, it's like, I don't care who you are. I'm going to just shoot over the top of you and like make you look like you're five foot three. Like it's, he's, he's got it all. I mean, I think those are great places to start. We'll start with the rebounding. Um, I'm not, I mean, we're, I, I don't think we're the first to make this. Maybe, maybe we were in the middle of the game, but certainly not at this point. Um, the Nets, you know, they went big. The idea is to try to rebound and make up for all those areas that the Bucks are winning in the margins. And it didn't work. As it turns out, you can't just plug in like guys that are at the end of their careers and say, hey, go rebound for us against this insanely athletic team. And on the flip side of that, I think the Nets have gone away way, way too much from what makes them really electric. Now, granted, it's very, very early in the season, but even before this year, I was like, I just like them when they play small and they make you uncomfortable and they make your big men or whoever, even your big forwards, like have to cover a ton of ground because of like how quick and small they are. And now they've gotten rid of that. And I just, I don't know, you saw it in fruition. Like they're not killing it on the boards. And if not, it's like, why have all these big men? I mean, yeah, you, you asked me this last time I was on the podcast. You were like, should the Nets be going big? Yep. I said, no, they were the best team in the league last year going small. Why are we changing that strategy? Um, yeah, they got hurt, but injuries are a part of the game, and that's not something Paul Millsap or LaMarcus Aldridge are going to like find a way around. It's, it's one game. I still disagree with a two-big lineup. There are teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers who are coming up shortly that in theory makes sense for to go a little more rebounding, but you've got to make sure that what you're not giving up on the other end is what you're, is what you're best at. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing is, is like you mentioned Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap played five minutes. Like, it's not like they were like going double big the whole game and it was like, it didn't work. Like they couldn't even find time going double big with two different lineups for all four of their guys. Like it's a very crowded front court. And that's why I kind of asked every, I think pretty much every single person that I had on this show, Hey, do you think they're going to go double big? And how would you make that work? And right now, like the big issue for me, and I think the thing that I struggled with a lot before the season was, I don't know who you play LaMarcus Aldridge with, who I think is actually really valuable for this team. Like there is a way where he really makes this work. We're going to talk about Philly in a second. Um, And I think he's valuable in that matchup because he is just big and he's probably the fourth best shooter on the team. Maybe, maybe fifth. Let me say fifth. Do we count? Do we count Kyrie? Maybe six. No, we don't count Kyrie. All right, cool. I'm going to say fifth. I'm going to say KD, Joe, Patty, Harden, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's a toss up. No, he's stepping back and stuff. Yeah, fine. All right. But whatever. Anyways, like he's he's got a lot of importance there, but it's really hard to play him unless he's playing with just KD by himself. And even then, it's like right now, I just I don't know. It's looked really bad defensively. And 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 like this is another thing. I don't want to spoil all my points here, but like the spacing has to improve on the other end. But I, I want to I'm gonna hit on that in a second. So I'll get into that. But um yeah, I just I think the double big thing has just been it's been bad. It's been really bad so far. <laughs> I yeah, I think a lot of the points you made can be epitomized with one player on the roster, which is James Johnson. Um the Nets signed James Johnson. I think he was their first free agent signing in the offseason that came from a different team. And that was before they got guys like Millsap and Aldridge. So as the offseason went along in the weeks past, I just saw James Johnson lower and lower in my depth chart. From, okay, backup four, I don't love that, but he's the backup four to backup three, maybe, to third stringer to I don't see a place at all. And then in the first game of the season, he plays 20 minutes. A lot of those are the three, a lot of those are the four. If James Johnson, the guy who's in a third string place in the depth chart, is playing like backup minutes for 20 minutes, where are all the other guys playing? Yes. such a crowded front court. And then he also can't really shoot. Those are the issues with spacing. He doesn't exactly complement Marcus Aldridge super well, which isn't totally his fault. He brings a skill set. He brings defensive versatility. He brings a good vet presence. I haven't hated his passing, and he's not taking shots he knows he can't make. 
it's Parley Aldridge's fault, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a scenario where you look at this, like, what are these two guys supposed to do when they're on the floor together? Yeah. I think the fun part with this is you kind of have to play like a chicken to the egg type of thing. So yeah. their, their problem right now is that they're bigs who are right now, like you look at Paul Millsap, LaMarcus, Blake, uh, that's probably their best shooters right now. Everybody that isn't a star is like a big man right now that can shoot. All of their other role players, uh, Bruce Brown, Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry, James Johnson. I can keep going. I mean, I know we have Joe Harris and Patty Mills, so I guess we'll include those with like the guards. Um, but all those like in-between guys that are not going to be bigs, they're not going to be guards, they're going to kind of play in the middle and just do the dirty work. They can't really shoot. So if your big men can't stay on the floor because of that, you know, athletic issues and just generally kind of stomping on each other's toes with these big lineups, then you can't really play your bigs necessarily. Or at the very least you end up playing bigs like Nicholas Claxton who can do a lot of things on defense. But then what that molds into is like, okay, Nicholas Claxton's out there. You put James Johnson and all of a sudden you have a James Johnson, Nicholas Claxton front court. Like it's a mess. There's no reason for that. And I'm going to get into my big takeaway was how bad the spacing was. I mean, you look at last year's team, this is like, I think they were the best, maybe other than the Clippers, like the second best team in the league in terms of spacing and making the defense work, occupying help defenders, um, making you stress generally as a, as a defense. The Nets didn't do that yesterday. It it was part of it was a lineup thing. You had non-shooters playing together. You have, Javon Carter in the corner and Javon wasn't shooting it well. So that did not go well, but even little things, it's like, why are you posting LaMarcus Aldridge up when you have a lineup where there's another big man that can't really shoot? Or even if there isn't, I just don't know like what's going on with the spacing of this team. Cause that was a problem. They would space LaMarcus up. James Harden would drive. And because LaMarcus is posted up his defender standing right there and the possession completely stalls out. The same thing happened even when they ran like lineups that didn't have guys that you think of quote unquote, uh, quote unquote, non shooting guys, even the actions that they had, they had a play where James Harden was at the top of the key and he was, I guess, a little bit closer to that left wing and the Nets ran some like weird strong side action where it was um, basically an exit screen, which again, sounds complicated. All it is, is it's a screen for a corner three. But because of like the spacing of it, none of the defenders had to move. They didn't have to worry about anything. And that's when we saw they kicked it to Blake at the opposite elbow. And then that turned into the the, the block from Giannis into the Kumpo on Claxton that kind of set the tone of the game. And the big problem with that was not so much that Clax went up against Giannis. The problem was the spacing was so bad at the beginning of the play that it kind of steamrolled into this forced possession where Claxton's in a really bad spot trying to go up against, I think the most devastating defensive player in the league right now. So it's, that's part of it too. It's like the lineups are bad and they don't make sense. I get it. Like the rotations have not been awesome and the roster, I'm not sure. I mean, clearly it's missing a huge star player, but even the roster itself, I think steps on its toes in a way, but the actual attention to detail was not there also. Yeah. And I want I want to propose something and see if you agree with me here. Um, a big thing you mentioned was the defenders reading the defenders. I don't think the Nets read the defense at all. No. On Tuesday night, like they they run actions in practice without defenders, where they swing swing the ball, open shooter. They run pick and roll actions with Harden either lobbing or dishing a bounce pass. The reads were being made without actually reading the defense. Harden was throwing passes into passing lanes with three buck arms in them. Like Javon Carter was shooting just because he knew it was his turn in the swing swing action. Even a guy like Joe Harris would get the ball. He'd be played off the three point line and he'd be like, okay, in practice, this is an easy layup because my, the Nets aren't as good as a defensive team as the Bucks, but this is Brooke Lopez and not Marcus Aldridge. So I'm going to miss this layup now. There they was like, were just playing like it was in practice, honestly. It was weird. And like there was a stretch where uh, I'm not going to say his full name. I'm going to call him Mamu because I, I can't say his whole last name. I'm sorry. This is Mamu the- Kalashvili. Mamu Kalashvili. That's that's how you know I'm in regular season mode when I, I'm like messing up last names. I'm not like this is where I'm at my worst right here. Mamu Kalashvili. 
Mamu is uh, <laughs> Mamu is there on the go. floor. I, I'm not even gonna try it again. Um, Mamu is on the floor, and he he, he was basically like I, I think they had him playing center, and the Nets they ran a like oh they ran I think they ran pistol with um, Patty Mills initiating. He hands off to Harden, and that kind of flows into like a secondary pick and roll. And they were doing this to involve Mamu so that he could get the switch with Harden. And then Harden made like, I think about like three straight step back threes in the second quarter. And that's where I was like, okay, here's some offense. Like you're intentionally trying to take a guy off the floor. You're running something with purpose. It's actually really interesting to see James Harden come off ball. I think last year we would have just seen straight pick and roll, but instead the nets were running this so that the defense couldn't like switch out of that before the action actually happened. And then that was kind of it. And that ended. And then, as you mentioned, it's like we're seeing pick and roll where Clax is rolling into like three defenders. Harden has got a guy like helping off him or, or helping strong side onto him while he's kind of like driving into the paint. And it's just a mess. Like, I don't I don't know. I, I it was it was a weird thing to see that little execution. And I think part of it part of it is the spacing. But there weren't instances where I was like going through the film being like, Oh, that's clearly a guy helping off of James Johnson or a guy helping off of Javon Carter. I just think it was like, he was sloppiness. So if you're a Nets fan, you can feel good about that and be like, well, this is about as bad as we can play. It can only be uphill from there, but you know, they, they have a lot to work on. If they're not humming at a hundred percent, and by the way, they made 50% of their threes. So it wasn't like they were like horrible out there. It was just, and, and they turned over the ball, I think, 13 times, which isn't insane. But it's like, if you're not like coming at 100%, you're going to lose in the margins to a team like the Bucks. I think you have to be a little bit concerned. Um, I mean, yeah. From the jump from the first quarter, the Nets didn't have the same effort as Milwaukee. And it was kind of, it kind of sucked to see because the Nets last year, it was a little bit of the same deal, not to this extent of, yeah, the defense isn't awesome, but we're at least somewhat confident that what we've seen in spurts will show up consistently in the playoffs. And it did. They defended well enough against the Celtics, and I think well enough against the Bucks, especially in the first half of the season. But as a Nets fan, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the team still. I don't want to watch a team for 82 games that I'm like, oh, don't worry, they'll give a shit in the playoffs. I don't want to no. watch that. Can, like, can they please show up? And it's it's opening night. It's the Bucks. They're they're the NBA champions, but it's the games where no one's watching, even though everyone's watching, that count. Like, are you going to show up against the Hornets in the home opener on Monday? Are you going to show up against the Sixers after a tough loss? Are you going to like? Are you going to put in the effort? Because there was no effort in Milwaukee. Yeah, and that's the weird thing. Like, they got up for these games last year. Like, it wasn't an issue ever. It didn't matter who was playing. I mean, because let's be honest, like, the stars were barely together. So you can't be like, well, they were missing. I mean, you can be like that. You can absolutely say, well, they're missing Kyrie. But they had a lot of games where it's like, it's James Harden playing Phoenix. And it's, you know, whatever. It's it's this game that's on super late. And he kind of wills them back into the game. And it was just like, I mean, A, respect must be paid to the bucks who were like humming and just didn't they weren't there wasn't one moment of that game where you felt like they were scared there is there just wasn't one moment where i was like oh looks like they're gonna they're gonna topple over and i think part of that is just from winning last year but b it's like the nets just never really put that pressure and part of it was what they were running and the, the spacing of it but part of it too was like this this team when things don't always go well because they have such great isolation players it's like, you know what, here, this is a good shot. KD isolating against, you know, whoever, uh, Pat Connaughton at the top of the three and hitting his little, like, hezzy three, that's a dope shot. Like, it's a great shot. But in those moments, I don't always know if it's going to sway a game. Like, Milwaukee's perfectly fine keeping their defense kind of set and not really having to move and just sort of being like, we're going to live with the results. Yep, and then and the reason the Nets almost beat Milwaukee last year was all those incredible shots KD hit against a said defense, but also all those possessions created when the Nets were playing a set defense. When Milwaukee yep. came down the floor and the Nets were able to force Giannis into a step back mid range shot, where they were able to make Milwaukee make one more pass that they didn't want to make, 
and then they grabbed the rebound, which is a really big deal. I cannot yeah. emphasize enough. They grabbed the rebound. Every single rebound last night with Nick with Giannis on the floor felt like it's the most excruciating tap. They Nick Claxton would come down on the ball and they'd be down 69. Be like, thank God we got the rebound at least. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember where I was going with this. Rebounding is so important. The Nets. I remember the Nets need to win in the margins if they don't need to win in the margins, but they need to show up in the margins. Yes. If they want a shot against a team like the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's an effort thing. Like I, I thought, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I hate to call out one player, but like, I thought Blake Griffin was not, it was weird to not see him play with effort. Um, and there was that clip that was going around on Twitter. And I think for, in a lot of ways, for good reason, where Giannis is kind of rebounding against Kevin Durant and Nicholas Claxton and just kind of throwing them around. You got Blake basically sitting at the free throw line watching it. And, you know, I don't want to say he was the only one because he wasn't. There was a lot of that. Clax did that where uh, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter shot goes up. Giannis basically catches it with one hand and just drops it in in that Giannis way where you're not even sure if he's dunking. He's just sort of like dropping it in the rim. And it was just like this weird, again, it was the tension to detail. It, it's, I'm just a little confused because it's like you've had this, you actually have a training camp this year. You know, you went to San Diego, um, you had four preseason games, and it just, I, I don't know, the effort was bad. It was just bad. It, it, I don't know, I don't know what went wrong in, in the uh, preliminary parts of everything. That said, it's really early, and I wouldn't say like worry about this team because I think, they're very talented and they're going to figure it out. And you have Kevin Durant and James Harden, but you know, it's, it's certainly not the best start. And I don't, I, I think fans being upset is perfectly reasonable. You know, like you don't, you wanted to see them. Everybody was talking about this whole off season. Oh, we're going to spoil the bucks ring night. Losing my 20 is not that <laughs> like, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Open threes and transition, like not getting foul calls and then pretty much giving up on the ensuing play. The Bucks are not going to mess up a transition opportunity. Can we this talk is... about Joe Harris? Yeah. Yeah. I'm... It's, and they're so much better than this. We've made them sound so terrible for like, I don't know what, how long have we been recording? 20 minutes, 20 minutes. but we, we've made them sound so bad and they're not a bad team at all, but it's just because they're disappointing. Like we know you're better. I, yeah. They, so, I, so I'm confused by Joe Harris's performance. He made his shots. Part of that was he was in the right spot and, and made his threes, which you want. Um, it was funny. Like one of his threes was when KD and, and Aldridge ran like a pick and roll. And I want to get into the, the rolling in a second. Cause I, I know it's such a, that is not an interesting topic, but I do want to talk about it a little bit, like two minutes. Um, but they ran a pick and roll and it kind of forced the defense in and Joe made a three. But outside of that, I thought the Bucks did a really good job running him off the line. And my key takeaway from that was the Bucks did this thing, and I don't know why no other teams have done this. And this is why the Bucks are a really good, smart defensive team, where the Nets would run an action where Joe would come off a screen and Harden would be handling the ball. And he he basically hit Joe right in his shooting pocket at the top of the key. You know, the Nets love to run those actions where he's coming off a stagger screen or what, even just a single yep. screen catches at the top of the key. Usually he's going to get up a three because his defenders behind the play. So after James Harden gave up the ball, drew holiday, who was defending James Harden stunted or kind of faked in Joe Harris's direction to take away that three pointer. He helped off James Harden because James Harden is such an ineffective off ball player and it, it made Joe kind of go downhill. And what basically happened the whole night was Joe Harris, I'm sorry, when he puts his head down, he goes to the rim. He decides within one second, like probably one dribble, I'm going to take a layup or I'm going to try to dump it to the big man. There's no decision making from there. It's just kind of how it's been for a while. And like, granted, he's done a great job getting better, getting run off the line. But the decision making from there is just not a strength of his. You kind of know what he's going to do. And the Bucks at this point, I mean, Brooke Lopez is sitting there like, please try to shoot a layup on me. I think I blocked like 20 of your shots in like four games. Like he's just been eating that up. So I thought it was really interesting that, that the Bucks were the first team to help off Harden, who 
I'm without Kyrie. I'm not saying he needs to make catch and you know, whatever, like run around off screens like Patty Mills. But if you're not involved in the action, go move somewhere. Don't stand at half court and be ineffective. And, and I think part of that played into what we saw from Joe. Now Joe has got to get better in those situations because this team is going to want to run you off the line every time. Cause they don't believe you can do anything from there. So I, it was interesting. And that's the key with Harden, right? What you just said, like we said, the Nets will have actions. The Nets had actions with Harden setting pin down screens and there was a flare screen in there and people were happy about it on, on Twitter afterwards. But when it's not an action, when Harden is initiating the offense and then is chilling at the top of the key and not even the top of the key, three or four solid steps behind the top of the key. Yep. It's, it's taking a man out of the play and it's putting Drew Holiday back in the play. You're giving him a free, a free safety just to yep. play around with. Joe Harris was, I think there was a stat, just despite limited sample size, was one of the best interior finishers back in like the 2019 Cinderella run season. He has become average since. Yep. People see it coming. It's very predictable. The shot fake to dribble hang. And well, up and under. Yeah. And I don't, I, maybe it's gotten his, in his head that he thinks he's a lot better than he is at the shot. Maybe Maybe he thinks he needs to take this and take a shot every time he touches the ball or not every time, but most times, but I would like to see the Nets kind of incorporate a a new action with Joe, which we haven't seen in years of him getting the ball in movement along the three point line and then kicking it back out. And then maybe Harden gets the ball back and then takes a decisive move toward the basket. And then someone else will have to react. Yeah. I mean, part of it, like not to be a dick, but like Joe's kind of done the same thing since like 2019. Oh yeah. I'm being honest. Like no, we love I him, but love yeah. him. But like, yeah, like I'm, you know, the, the passing has not really become a part of his game. Part of that is like, can we, can we get Joe to like do a lob? I don't know if I've ever seen Joe lob a, a ball, like lob a pass or like, I don't, I don't know. Pass it's just throw. Like, I, he, you know, he does the move where he does the, like, he, he, I guess like a change of pace, you know, the move, right. Where he comes off the screen, yeah. there's a change of yeah. pace dribble. Then he, he puts like his head down, lowers his, he up, yeah. he um, elevates his shoulder almost. Yeah. It's like, he's like a running back, but then, but it's just, I, I don't know. I think I've seen the action so many times and I'm sure other teams are in the same spot where it's like, I just, I, I, I think you're dead on with your analysis that teams kind of know what's coming. And part of that is he's not reading that situation. And like, that's fine. I mean, Normally that would be fine, but unfortunately this team is missing $35 million of superstar talent. So all of a sudden it's the same thing that we saw in the 2019, 2020 season where Kyrie goes down, Karras goes down. All of a sudden it's Joe Harris and, and Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris is the number two option. And it's like, wow, Joe Harris is having a bad month of January. I wonder why, or February, one of those two months where it's like, I don't know why he's playing so poorly. Maybe it's because he's, I don't know the second option on this team that's trying to make a playoff spot and, and, you know, playing as hard as they humanly can for Kenny Atkinson. So I, I think that's part of it. Now I don't want to make excuses for him, but you know, everything upshifts in a way. Yeah. I mean, there's this really fine line for us, I think in saying we need to accept that Kyrie Irving is not a part of this team. If unless he gets vaccinated asterisk. Yep. We need to accept that Kyrie Irving is not a part of this team and we need to analyze the team as such in that context. But there's another part that is this team was built with Kyrie in mind with the um, like the order of succession with Kyrie Irving in it. Joe Harris is not the second option like he was, but this team isn't fighting for an eighth, an eighth seed like that team was. It's still, and I hate it because I wish we could move on, but Kyrie Irving is still impacting this team in a lot of negative ways. Yeah. I mean, like I also, I mean, I was looking for the body language yesterday. I didn't see anything that I would like feel confident enough to say like, Oh, this team looks like they're really, you know, whatever they're in the weeds because of this Kyrie thing. Like, I don't think there's anything like that, but it just certainly didn't seem like a team that has had an easy two weeks. Like they just were so behind in everything that I just have to wonder, like, I, you know, maybe this is, I mean, it's a big factor having a guy that's just not there that you've had in your plans and all of a sudden you're readjusting pretty much everything that you do. I mean, there's two things that are missing right now from the team. One is ball handling and 
you saw it in certain possessions. Like you saw it in the preseason. You saw it a little bit yesterday too, where Patty Mills granted awesome game. I mean, just like he has got such a quick trigger and is going to be great for this team, no matter what he's doing or who he's playing with, but you give him a, a screen in transition and it's going to be a floater with no real juice to it or an 18 footer that doesn't have a high chance of going in. I mean, he made his threes and then everything else after that was kind of a zero. And, you know, when he gets to the rim, cause he's so small, he has to do these like crazy high arcing layups. And like, that's, that's, he's 33. He's Patty Mills. Like, he shouldn't be having to do that. He should just, and again, I've been saying this since the beginning when they signed him, do not look at this guy as a Spencer Dinwiddie replacement. That's ridiculous. Look at him as the Landry Shamit replacement and like a damn good one at that, as everybody saw yesterday, um, that can do a little bit extra off the dribble. But he's not going to be this like feed him, pick and roll reps, let him run the offense. So that was the first thing I noticed is like the ball handling is not there. It's a big burden on KD to run the offense. And I, and I think we agree that the onus is on Harden a good solid amount. Yep. We both, we, we've talked about off air about his burst and how he looks at the rim and how he doesn't look that bad. good at the rim. He looks bad. <laughs> he looks bad. <laughs> I'll say it. It looks bad right now. He's got no um, lift. He's got no, like right now when he turns a corner, he, I, I don't even notice right now. Granted he's in, I don't think he's in game shape yet either. <laughs> And, and he, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like I'm not con, I don't think that he'll be like this all year because it's James Harden and we know what he does on the, in the off seasons. It was on the internet all year long, Yep. but right now it's not good. And the nets don't have the luxury of the third star anymore. So if you want to beat a primetime team, like the Philadelphia 76ers, you got to step it up, James Harden, because his, his downhill driving, his off-ball movement, it all has ripple effects to the entire team through guys like Patty Mills and a, and another guard like Javon Carter. Yeah, I mean, like, so last year he had a, a 40, a 439 free throw rate, lowest of his career. I think I'm not the first to say that. Part of it is, oh, well, he's taking more floaters and 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 trying to get, you know, whatever. He's, that's, that's a new part of his game. But then I kind of use like, again, the chicken or the egg thing where it's like, okay, but why is he taking more floaters? I think it's, I think it's perfectly fair to say that he has lost like half a step compared to like two years. ago. I, I think that's pretty reasonable and he's done a great job supplementing that. But I, I think he's lost like a tiny step in terms of what, and that's fine because he's got the lob um, floater combo, which we need to get into the lobs in a second because that involves having quality role men. Um, but I think there's a slight, you know, like he's tailed off a little bit in that way. And I, it will be something I'm watching for this year. I have to be honest. Like I, and I'm not saying like James Harden's like washed or he's going to have a bad year. I think he's going to be an all-star, all-star starter, all NBA guard. He's I, by all accounts, I don't think you'll really see it at all in his stats or even his play and what he's elevating the team. But I think it is something that may or may not change a little bit to a degree. Yeah. And Harden's whole thing is that he keeps regular season teams afloat. I am a lot less. Um, I believe a lot more in his playoff record than a lot of people do. Yeah. I, I, I excuse a lot of the negative performances and I like to highlight his good ones. Cause I think he gets a lot of slack in the postseason, but he, he's also really good in the regular season. He kept the Nets afloat in so many games last year, like you talked about earlier. And if he's not going to do the same thing this year, because Kevin Durant's someone who turns it on in the postseason, I wonder what seed they finish. Is We all we all projected a 1-2 seed finish in the preseason. Are we looking at more of a 3-4 finish? That's a big takeaway to take away from the first <laughs> game of the year. But it's, I think, something we need to start thinking about if Harden looks like this for another month. Yeah. I, I would not be shocked. I mean, their schedule is easy, so that helps. But I would not be shocked if, uh, if, if they're not getting off to a flying start to start the year. Um, I, I want to talk about this Philly game, but first I want to do one last thing. I mentioned the ball handlers. It's, it's, a tough, it's, a tough, <laughs> it's tough to be a team with eh ball handling and eh pick and roll rolling. 
unfortunately that's where the nets are at in a league that is super dominated by pick and roll right now um oh boy i i don't want to sit here and trash on clax because i think a lot of people have done that in going through the film yes there were defensive lapses where he didn't get back in transition he gave up on plays he was he looked way less active than he normally does i didn't I didn't come away as like horrified as I thought I would be. Um, and I think part of that was like the placement of some of the passes from Harden were not good at all and forced and the spacing wasn't there. Yeah. But I will still say the pick and roll craft from Nick Claxton, when it looks good, I think part of it is that Harden puts him in the perfect places and he's had some good screens and he's popped out of those. Like I really like him coming off of handoffs because instead of having to figure out, wait, where do I set the screen? What's, what time do I do this? He just stands there and gives the ball and then slips out of that. There's no thinking that goes into that. He doesn't have to sit there in the half court and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to look around at my teammates and tell that, like, have them tell me what I'm supposed to set a screen. Like, it's just preset. That's what he does. That's his role. Handball, go to the rim. That part in, in pick and roll where he doesn't quite know where to be all the time as a screener. And just the general, like, flipping out of the screen, flipping his body, like, straight into his role just isn't there at all, which is weird because he is such a fluid athlete. But there, there's certain plays, like yesterday there was a role, and granted, Harden had a, did a great job finding him, but Nick is, like, rolling to the basket backwards. And, A, that's hard. You're not, you're not kind of looking where you're going, but, B, like, there's an option for taking a charge. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's not ideal, I would say. Um, And that's my problem right now with him is like, there's no other utilization for him on offense. He's not making his free throws, not shooting. So you need to be great at this one thing. And he's not that right now. Yep. It's another, it's another thing. It's another example of the thing I was talking about earlier with the preset plays and the preset sets that Claxton, he'll get the ball. And if he finally does figure out how to set the screen, He's rolling. And against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who has a defensive player of the year waiting on the weak side, that's near impossible, man. <laughs> um, like, for a guy like Claxton, who really needs to be spoon-fed by James Harden above the basket, to have Giannis Antetokounmpo coming from the weak side, or all these lanky Bucks defenders, it's just not an ideal situation in game one. It's not. I mean... You look at when LaMarcus came in, now LaMarcus has his limitations too. Um, you know, there were plays where they, there was a play where him and um, him and Harden, they ran, I think, like a side pick and roll with no empty corner. So what you're basically doing when you're running that action is you're removing the help or you're making the help comp, uh, rotations, I guess, a little bit more complicated. And they ran this play. Harden threw up the lob, but he knew it was with LaMarcus. So he threw this lob basically like below the rim because that's who LaMarcus is at this point. He's a below the rim player. And, you know, by, to no surprise, I think he fumbled the pass. But part of it was I think he was scared it was going to literally hit the rim and go out of bounds because this thing was like it was a rim grazer. It was so low because Harden knew, again, like his passing wasn't amazing. But he knew I can't throw this thing up there like I'm playing with Nick Claxton. That's limiting other plays. They ran a high pick and roll. Uh, LaMarcus gets the ball and he just takes like a 15 footer from the free throw line. Not great, right? Like, okay, we got a 15 feet, 15 foot fadeaway out of a pick and roll, but the positives are he knows how to flip out of screens. He's going to roll hard and be in sync with the ball handler. And those things are just things that Clax is not doing right now. And you're getting this from a guy that's 36 is athletically limited i think to say the least and it's still substantial right now above i think what nick is doing i don't know if that's yeah. unfair but what well, well, what would you say it's substantial above like the offensive output <sighs> yeah i guess i don't know though i mean i, I don't think know. either of them are good on offense no i think lamarcus needs to take more threes yeah i mean stop posting them again i said it before stop posting them up when you're running, like he, no one needs that. When KD took there. a lot of, he took a lot of mid range in the postseason, and I had it in the back of my mind. Okay, he's getting warm. It's or preseason. Sorry, 
It's getting, he's getting warm. It's the preseason. And then he took a lot of mid range last night. I'm like, these got to start being threes sooner yeah. rather than later. Cause it's always a little contested. And yeah. these like contested 15 footers with like 12 seconds on the shot clock. They're not good shots. And he makes them in a good clip or he did last year in five games. So we'll see if that clip is comparable this year. Yeah, but like the other thing is like, I don't even care about the percentage. I worry more because again, this is a different team from last year where it's like, you don't have Jeff Green. You don't have, I don't know. I guess Jeff Green's the only name I could think of right now. I was going to bring up like Jeff Tyler Green was Johnson. important. That's okay. But Jeff Green was important. Jeff Green was, a big Jeff deal. was very important. Like super important. He looks great in Denver already. Shocker to nobody. Um, he <laughs> like those plays were fine last year. And I think in a vacuum, it's fine if LaMarcus wants to post up. That's great. That's an efficient shot for him for the most part. It's not okay when you have a lineup where you have Javon Carter in the corner and then like James Johnson in the dunker spot. And it's like, oh okay, God. like you're just, you're giving the Bucks a way to put four defenders in the paint and not move. And the entire offense just stalls out. So that's where I have a problem with it. If you're going to post LaMarcus up, I mean, I guess do it in lineups where it's like KD and Jay, and I guess uh, Patty Mills, Joe Harris. I can't even think of a fourth right now because that's how bad the spacing is at a mo- in the you know at the moment. The fourth would have to be Blake Griffin, and I don't want Blake Griffin playing with Bull Marcus Aldridge. I'm good. I don't need to see that anymore. I'm perfectly fine. So so I, so what you're get so what you're telling me here is the Nets missed TLC from last year. They miss a role player who can just sit in the corner and will shoot threes. I, I I mean, you know, I guess that's Javon Carter right now, though. I do think I, I'm not out on Javon. Everybody's out no, on Javon no, no, Carter. I, like I cannot him. be out I on like Javon him. Carter. He had a bad game. What are we doing here? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little weird right now. And even like a Javon Carter, uh, you know, Patty Mills, Joe Harris lineup. It's like, that's a little small. I don't love it defensively. So I don't know. I, they got some things to figure out. And I think there's just, there's just a lot of work to do, but all right, I, we're going to get to the Sixers in just a second. Um, do you think they miss D'Antoni? I have to ask. Mike. Oh, I have to ask. Oh, I got, I, I got asked this question in the off season. Do you think they'll miss D'Antoni? And I went with an optimistic. I said, yes. Email. You said, I yes. Said, I said, yes. In the off season. I think they're going to miss. Well, him. the question is how much credit do you give Mike D'Antoni for just the team having spacing? Um, I, I, I have to say, because here's my thing. There was, again, there was a bit of pistol action last night. I caught that. I don't even need the specific plays. I just, and again, it's the first game. So I don't, I, I, and then I'm asking this way too preemptively and this is going to sound stupid. It's just the like little attention to detail things where maybe it, maybe it is. These guys are just sleepwalking right now. It's the first game. Nobody's up yet for whatever reason. But I'm curious. Now it's something I want to watch where it's like the attention oh, yeah. to detail. If you oh, have yeah. Joe Harris, uh, James Harden, Patty Mills, Kevin Durant on the floor, why do I feel like your spacing is bad? It should never be bad. It was bad yesterday. There's like moments where in the first quarter, I think they ran that rotation with Nick also. I'm like, why does your spacing look bad? That doesn't make any sense. Spacing is only as good as how much you take advantage of it when the defense makes a mistake. Yep. So if you're just going to stand around. I don't know. They, they, I'm, I'm very curious to watch the progression and this might be, well, probably will be irrelevant in a game, um, which by the way, let's get into this uh, Sixers game. We are recording Thursday. This will probably come out late Thursday night, Friday morning. So if you're listening to this on your way to your, your on your commute, thanks for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe and give me a happy Friday. Uh, yeah. Happy Friday. Make sure you give us a, a five-star rating here. Um, that was shameless, but yeah, we got the Sixers game um, Friday night. It sounds like Joel Embiid is d- questionable. So I don't know how big of a factor that's going to be. I would assume he plays, but I don't know. They, they are cautious with Joel and have no reason to like rush him back, especially with this whole Ben Simmons thing that's hanging over everything. So I want to know, what are you looking out for in this upcoming game? I am looking at Tyrese Maxey, who is taking over the Philadelphia 76ers point guard spot in Simmons absence, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. He had a really, really great summer league. He has a lot of North-South juice, which should be interesting to see against the Nets switching and the Nets kind of lumbering defensive approach Mm. in general. 
but he also has a pretty solid perimeter shot that can bail him out when he's not getting downhill and that he can do off the dribble and off the move. So I think the sky's really the limit with Maxi, And I don't know if he's a full-time lead ball handler, but he's going to have to be, at least for now. Maybe for four years, like Daryl Morey says, but at least for now. We had five assists um, in the first game. Granted, assists aren't the perfect metric for you know measuring passing. Um, and they play a lot out of the post with Joel. So that's where they get a lot of their playmaking as well. I've loved Maxi coming out of the draft. Like I just, he, I, if I, like, if I was a draft person, I probably would have put him like top four because I don't know what I'm doing, but I just loved watching him. And that's kind of how I, I'm not a draft guy. I mean, I don't want to say never be a draft guy. Cause I, you know, I've taken on a lot of things that I don't think I would have necessarily done um, in, in covering this sport, but I've certainly never been a draft guy. It's never been my thing. I just watch guys that I think are fun and that jump out. And he was one of those guys where, it just felt like he was going to be something. He was so quick, and the the defenses, um, I think for the most part, translated. He just felt like a guy. I like that they've got him and Curry in the backcourt. That seems like two guys that can handle. Curry was basically their point guard when Simmons was melting down and doing whatever Ben Simmons was doing in the playoffs. Um, I like this Philly team. I think they're really good. I think it's going to be a really good test for the Nets. Um, Joel, I mean, goodness, I don't even know who you're going to throw at him right now. I guess you're going to double, but the attention to detail has not been there with this team. So I can't imagine those are going to be, um, deceptive double teams and he's going to be seeing the read right in front of him. So I'm curious. I, I, I'm just, and, and they have a lot of shooting. It turns out when you get rid of Ben Simmons, who doesn't shoot, you've got, (laughs) I mean, they shot what 52% against the Pelicans in their first game. It's going to stretch the nets. You said with Maxi, this, you know, he's a guy that goes downhill and stretches guys. They also have shooters that are going to make somebody like Paul Millsap rotate over and help if he plays um, and then rotate back out to the perimeter. It's, I think it's going to be a good test. You could name four, maybe five players who did like a pure all shooting lineup for the nets. I can find like one and a half non-shooters on the Sixers roster. Yeah, it's pretty There's nice. Drummond and like Embiid can shoot now. And Matisse Thibel is still someone you're you're happy leaving open. But he's making strides, looked really good in the Olympics from deep. Um, I'm going to assume that translates at least somewhat to the NBA. He will progress. He's still very young. The Sixers can stretch you out. Yep. And that's why it's going to be a big test for the Nets and their cohesion on defense and if they can improve at all. No one's asking for a perfect game, but there has to be – the X outs have to be better. The, the Along the perimeter, you have to know who your next man up is. A guy like Nick Claxton can't get lost, and then once the ball is like three passes away from the dude you were rotating out to, you can't fall asleep because the ball might come back. These are all things that I'm sure the Nets, like very veteran coaching staff, nosing has gone over. Like I'm just a guy talking on a podcast, but they are things that the Nets will have to bring to the table against Philly, against Danny Green and Seth Curry and Tobias Harris and like hell even like Niang and Korkmaz. It's funny, especially Korkmaz. Korkmaz has been balling. Korkmaz, I, ever Korkmaz. since he put that hype video out, he's just been insane after getting re-signed. It's a good, by the way, great contract that they've, I, I, I had to look at it for 5 million. It's something ridiculous. It's a really, really good contract. That's without, I mean, they have like uh, Yang who I like. That's another guy shoot, can definitely shoot it. Um, and it's just like, they can, I mean, it's weird because it's the nets and we've thought about this team as like this great shooting team, but they really changed their identity kind of similarly to how the Lakers completely shifted away from what made them great. I'm like a little, I'm just, just on the outside looking in. It's been one game. Very curious to see if the Nets are the same type of story where it's like they shifted their identity. They said, oh, we need to go big and account for rebounding. And in by circumstance kind of went away from a little bit of what made them very good last year. Um, And by the way, speaking of rebounding, Andre Drummond will come off the bench. He had 17 rebounds (laughs) against the Pelicans. Joel Embiid will get rebounds. So it's not like they're going to have an off night in that category. And it's kind of funny. Like, I feel like I'm describing the exact same situation that happened against Milwaukee, where it's like they dominated the glass and then they stretched the nets out. Um, 
as one guy basically posted up and made reads out of there. It's kind of weird. And and Matt, who who's remind me for a sec? Who's the Pelicans starting center? Uh, is that Valanciunas right now? Yeah, who's a really damn good rebounder? Who's not Nick Claxton? Is not Blake Griffin? Like, yep, they're gonna really like. Yeah, Jackson Hayes isn't awesome, but none of the Nets rebounders are awesome either. It's gonna be another fight on the glass, which we haven't talked about Bruce Brown yet, which surprises me because I'm passionate about Bruce Brown. I'm down. He's a really good rebounder. I'd like to see him out there against Philly. Can we put him in and good I think lineups? This is also this is also where we can talk about Lamarcus, who's I who's the best, who's the closest thing to a big body and rebounder the Nets have for a team like Philly. Yeah, but he's not a good rebounder. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't he's, like his rebounding? I think he's fine. I I, I think he's okay. He's I don't think he's that good of a rebounder. I don't know. He's big, and I think that helps. So I like I'll say this. I think Lamarcus should play. play quite a bit in this game i actually don't think nicola nicholas claxton should play very much i don't see it i don't think it's a matchup for him i mean i don't and again maybe they are trying to figure out regular rotations i would let lamarcus play i think he's your best shot against a bead i feel like that is going to age horribly but i think it is their best shot um do you think it's blake no to listener best shot does not mean good shot yes just saying it's the best option it's not good (laughs) I don't feel good about it. But, um, but like, Blake, Blake can hold his own, but you have to bring help. Well, Marcus, you could theoretically leave him for a few more seconds. And that's where this like team is better. They're better this year because they have all these shooters. So if you're bringing help, like who are you helping off of? I guess, I mean, we'll look at the starting lineup. It's Curry, Maxi, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. I guess it's Maxi. So, but then you're in, a, in, in like a situation where let's say you help off Maxi. Maxi can either take the three, I think something that he's made some strides in, or he can just drive straight to the hole because good Lord, do the Nets not have any secondary rim protection unless KD's able to get his way in there. It's like, <laughs> it's a, I don't know. I mean, and I, I think I, if you, honestly, if I had to put my money on who's going to win this game, I actually think the Nets are going to win, by the way. I just, I think I, it's really, I, maybe this is just me sitting here taking the easy way out. But I'm like, you know what? I think we're going to get a better KD game and Harden's going to look more comfortable and that's going to be that. But at the very least, I think there are going to be ways for Philly to kind of get points. And teams like this are going to be able to hurt the Nets. They can hurt them inside out. Yeah, it's about the offensive end. <laughs> um, maybe we need to talk about like KD because the Nets weren't a good defensive team last year either. And they still won these kinds of like primetime regular season matchups because they went ballistic on offense. And that was without guys like Kyrie. Yep. And that was in games without KD. So they need to bring the same thing. Patty Mills won't have to go seven for seven again, but he might have to go three for four. Joe Harris is going to have to bring it again. Javon Carter is going to have to hit a few. Yep. The offense is going to have to be buzzing. Yep. And and part of that comes down to the things we mentioned, spacing lineups. Um, how much can you play your bigs? I, I'd like to see Millsap play more. Could we, could we start there? Play Millsap more. I respect to James Johnson. I, I don't know why he's playing 20 minutes right now. That's insane. I, I, I think in part of it, I, I do look at Nash and I say, was it a great game? No. Is part of it that they have a really difficult crowded roster right now that he's trying to figure out on the, on the fly. Yes. I think that's a hard job that he's dealing with, but if, if you're seeing James Johnson for 20 minutes again, you're not seeing Bruce and you're seeing Millsap for minimal time. It's like, what are we doing here in a way? Like, Let's yeah, get... I just don't know if I've ever heard of the strategy in figuring out your roster by playing James Johnson 20 minutes and Paul Mills have five. I don't, I don't have you a problem do, with that. You can do 12-12, though. You could do 15-10. You can do 10-10, and then Bruce Brown gets five minutes. I Maybe 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 what they're doing, because we've only seen one game, is they're taking turns, and Paul Millsap will play 15 minutes in the next game. But I don't know. I just I don't see it like that. I wouldn't do it that way. My, my coach, problem, but I wouldn't do that way. My problem with that, so I, I didn't have a problem. I would, would I like to see uh, Bruce play more? Yes. Um, I didn't have a problem with being like, hey, you know what we know we have in Bruce. We're going to let our guys play. Where I have a problem with it, it's like, okay, if you're letting your guys play, then why isn't Millsap playing? Who is about as new as it gets. Why is Millsap not playing really at all? And you're playing like, you know, LaMarcus, who I think we kind of know what he is at this point. Uh, Blake, we definitely know what he is. Why are those guys playing so many minutes? And and like so, the argument 
kind of doesn't really make sense. It's like, you're only applying it for certain guys. Is that a reflection of, oh, we think what Bruce does is replaceable? I don't know. I, I hope nobody feels that way because I certainly don't. I, and I've never understood that even going into this off season, you know, when, when James Johnson gets signed, you see things like, well, he's going to come in and do what Bruce does. And I'm like, okay, like, let's all take a step back for one second. And we did this with Jeff Green too. Oh, Millsap, he's going to come in and do what Jeff Green did. Okay, just everybody take a step back for, for one second. These guys have skills, like real skills. Bruce Brown, floater. He's got reads out of the short roll. Those are not things that every guy has. James Johnson does not have a floater. Jeff Green can shoot, can roll, can do both of those things really well. Nobody on this roster can do that. Nobody. Yeah. Um, just because Bruce Brown is a non-shooter doesn't mean the non-shooting things every other non-shooter in the league also has. Yep. And also, I mean, I know we talked about this in the offseason, but who's the one guy on the roster who were like, okay, he's not as good as Bruce, but he could theoretically bring a similar skill set who didn't play. I mean, he might've played in garbage time last night, but didn't play a real minute against the Bucks. DeAndre Bembry yep. didn't see it, didn't see the floor at all. So if you're replacing Bruce Brown, James Johnson is not the move. I think we agree here. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. So that that stuff needs to improve to a, great, to a degree. And I think like somebody like Bruce Brown will be important tomorrow. You need somebody that is going to give you point of attack defense, fill in the gaps, um, and honestly, like make the defense work a little bit. I Did anybody cut? I don't remember watching one cut from the Nets. If I really think about it, it cutting's hard because you don't really notice it in the moment. I mean, like, like Joe Harris will cut, but he'll cut like from one corner to the other, or he'll like yeah. cut to the top of the key. Like nobody did those um, 45 cuts or slice cuts or whatever you want to call them uh, where, where you just cut from the wing, like straight into the paint. Nobody did those that Bruce does, which are really valuable, right? By the way, because they pull away help defenders and they change the general look of the defense. Like those are the little things where it's like, if you don't have that, then all your guys are just sort of standing in one spot and the defense gets to chill out, basically. Yeah. We complained about spacing for like 15 minutes. and That was me, mostly. Like, <laughs> solutions. There, well, okay, it was you. I listened, though. I was here. And here, solutions. Play Bruce Brown, who will cut. And that is spacing. Spacing is not linear perimeter shooting. It's movement of, of, of offensive players that will warp a defense. That's inherently what spacing is. Yeah, it is. And it's, I, you know, it's, it's like using the weak side of the floor and like running actions or like doing things that are not, you know, where you're running something on, like, let's say you're trying to run an action on one side of the floor to get a shot. You're running something on the other side to preoccupy the defense. If you're not doing that, then like, what do we, like, it's just the defense just has to focus on that one thing. Um, and, and part of that comes to the rolling and every, it all ties in together right now. And it's like, they have so many things to work on. And I think the big thing for me in these next couple of weeks is watching a, are these just things that the team next needs to get comfortable with, or are there any fundamental issues? You know, is the ball handling a problem? Is the rolling a problem? Is it a, Oh my God, we can only play like half of our lineups feel extremely inefficient, even with having one to two superstars in them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've um, I don't know what to add on that. Honestly, that was really well put together. They Thanks, are going to face a lot of. <laughs> you're welcome. They're going to face <laughs> a lot of teams in the regular season. Not all the teams are going to be the Milwaukee Bucks, but that's still a pretty valuable litmus test that you can't just throw out the window. I don't think. Any other Sixers thoughts? Just Anything else you're watching for? Any. Um, like we talked, we talked about the bench lineup. We've talked about, um, we've talked about, we've talked about Bruce Brown and trying out new guys, auditioning new guys. Is Kevin Durant going to like bring it on like Tobias Harris or whoever's on the wing for them is, is yeah, honestly, Kevin Durant and James Harden. I'm looking at the superstars to bring more offensive, more offensive juice, higher usage rate, at a certain point, yes, it is the regular season. Yes, we just got started, but these are big games. You can take a step back in a few weeks. They have to bring the juice first and foremost. It starts with them. 
Ooh, here's a good one. Does Matisse Thibel, 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 uh, guard James Harden? I think he probably. I think he probably does. It's pretty fun. Does I think he probably does guard James Harden, and James Harden is gonna have to give a shit with yep. Thibel on him. Yeah, Thibel's a feisty, feisty guy. Yep, he's. He's going to be able to chill at half court if that's what he really wants to do. He's not going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, I got to move off ball. Yeah. But he's going to, when he, when he's got the ball, he's going to have to like, he's going to have to put it down. He's going to use, have to use that shoulder of his to create separation. He's not going to be able to get away with those like mechanical lobs every time. I don't think. Yeah, definitely. And also keep the handle tight. Like keep everything. It just. Yeah. Yep. That too. And here's where I'll, I'll end with. I don't think there's a reason to be worried as a Nets fan. Like if you're sitting out there and you're like, Oh my God, this has been a really negative hour. I feel way worse. Don't, don't feel bad. Your team has got a ridiculous amount of talent and there's a lot of things they're trying to figure out on the fly. And they're trying to add in a bunch of new players. And you know what? Like some of these problems, if they never get solved, like the big man problem, we thought Deandre Jordan was never going to be off the roster. And that guy was out of the rotation by like, april like he was just out and he didn't come back so it's like you look at these things and you say well i don't know how they fix this maybe they got to play like they got to keep everybody happy eventually something is going to give and these things tend to get worked out um i don't think this is like a lakers andre drummond power structure you know struggle where it's like we feel like we have oh, to play yeah. this guy i don't i just don't think that's gonna happen i don't know maybe i'm wrong but um so i think like in that way these things are going to get worked out. These guys are going to get more comfortable. Harden's going to get in better shape. And if he's in better shape, that's just going to make a huge difference. Kevin Durant's going to, you know, I think improve, um, I guess the other things in his game. I thought he was really good. I thought he just looked really good to be honest in the first game. So in short, I wouldn't worry. I don't know how you feel, but I'm, I think it's really early and there's no reason to freak out yet. I feel the same way. Kevin Durant has as good an argument as any player in the league for best for best basketball player in the world. And that should be enough to get you to like the second round of the NBA playoffs. And yep. from there, you've got a damn good supporting cast. You've got James Harden, who is still James Harden. And I mean, you've got a lot to believe in here. There shouldn't be a reason to panic right away. There are just some small mistakes that need to get fixed. And that probably won't get fixed immediately. And that's okay. But need to get fixed in the course of time. Well said, my friend. Alec, anything you want to share? Anything you got coming out? Anything you're excited for? I'm excited to finish the college application process. Nothing <laughs> is coming out right now. I yeah. love you. Keep, keep you. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Work on that. Get in school. Uh, school is great. I, I, you know, I, I don't have much else to say other than that. School is fun, man. I, I wish I was. I'll be, I'll be covering the Long Island Nets next month. There'll be, oh. there'll be consistent Long Island coverage next month. Hell yeah. So we're going to get David Duke updates. That's, that's what Sharp. we've got. Is he, is he in the G League? I'm so, I'm so curious. That's, I honestly think this could be one of the most fun G, like Long Island Nets seasons in a very long time. Maybe the year when they had oh, for sure. like Clacks running point. I feel like that was probably a pretty fun season. I don't know how good they were, but I feel like that would have must have been at least entertaining, right? Um, but this year's gonna be pretty fun. There's a lot we can learn, and it kind of matters. <laughs> like if some of these, if some of the guys on the roster just the the regular Nets roster just don't pan out, you know, I'm not saying I'm feeling that way about anybody, but you know, we don't know. I I'm really curious to see how much they send Sharp down. I mean, by the looks of the rotation early on, if they sent Cam Thomas down, like we'll see. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if we got Cam Thomas a little. I mean, we said it in our last podcast. Like, man, I think there's a way where Cam Thomas could be pretty decent for this team. And guess what? He absolutely could have been. When you watch these stagnant possessions against the Bucks, yeah, that would have been nice. And hey, granted, I don't think he's ready yet, but. Man, I mean, if he ever gets there, there, that'd be great. <laughs> is there a way to play Cam Thomas for only like the last five seconds of the shot clock? If I was if I were the Nets, I would do that. Like, don't let him touch the ball until you've got nothing with five seconds and he will figure it out and it'll be two points. He'll hit like a hezzy yeah. step back. On, on like Giannis. He'll do it on Giannis. He will. I it'll be like the the uh Thanasis so 
or they just sub him at the end of the first half. That's what they should do yeah. with Cam. Just be like, hey, uh, an get offensive a half court sub. shot. Yeah. On the greatest offensive team of all time. Oh, we got to bring in the release guy. We got to bring in the rookie. Oh man, the most cl- the most clutch player on the team. <laughs> um, I'm down. Yeah, make that happen. And uh, if you're listening, follow Alec on Twitter. It's Alec underscore Sturm, S-T-U-R-M. Am I correct in all of that? That's your handle, right? Yes, sir. Woo. All right, Fo- follow Alec on Twitter. He does great stuff for us at Nets Daily. You can follow me, Matt Brooks NBA. Um, I make things like this. I don't know. I, I talk about the Nets a lot. So uh, give me a follow there. And subscribe. I already did a shameless plug, but let's do it again. Subscribe to the Clear Out Podcast on whatever streaming platform you are listening to. And if there is a way to leave a, la- a rating, uh, leave a five-star rating. That'd be cool. I'd appreciate that. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Alec, for joining me. And I will talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace.